0: Did you do it? Did uh, I do it? My gosh, you're not asking. what, What I'm asking is did you fabricate earnings for the analysts and either knowingly or accidentally put me in this spot? Did you do that? And if you did, are you still looking, even at this moment, for a way to handle it, and me, without telling me you committed a criminal act? And that way, just easy. This ground we're stepping on here is wall-to-wall minefields. Oh, for God's sakes. You're a crook. What exactly did you do? I did. What everybody who does business in the Mideast does, who is not Microsoft or selling something indispensable, you pay a toll in the Mideast, no matter what the country is. If you want to sell in Egypt, you go there. You rent an office. Stop and shouting. You- I don't hear you when you do that, ever.
1: Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. The Cinema Nine Podcast is now active. Welcome into the show. Michael Govier, Travis Roy, Eric Branstrom. Three men. Are we men?
2: Uh, we are Devo. No, we're not Devo. Never mind. <laughs>
1: Crack that weed! Anyways, it's the Cinnamon on Podcast. We're excited for today's show. We've got to do, because that's what I chose, How Do You Know, the 2010 <laughs> film, which we will discuss later on. Does it hold up? We'll find out. I got some text already from two of these guys, both of them, showing pictures of frustration. So I don't
2: know if this is could an obvious anything. call or not.
1: Yeah, it could be anything, <laughs> but... Oh, uh, we'll see. The, that's why we do yeah, it. We wait. We, like, we wait.
2: Yeah, we, we send cryptic pictures to each other, anyways. Yes. I mean, like, like, there's no, there's no telling what they mean. They're just like emotional responses of our, of us to something, and then we don't tell each other what it means. I that's, that's that assume is true. it's
0: about movies, though. I like, I wouldn't like yes. send you a picture of like my dad's cancer diagnosis, like. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. Wow. That's good drop, you know? Mike. Hey, well thanks. Well, <laughs> great gift, Dad. Hey,
1: great drop, Dad. Uh, I've been puking all day, so if I burp on the show, sorry guys, uh, I got some belching, I got some gas in here, I don't know where it's from, but I'm doing my best, I'm here for you guys, we want to make sure we keep the show on Thursday as much as possible, because you guys are creatures of habit, you love habit, hell, we all kind of love habit actually, it's kind of cool, bad, I will tell you this, five star review on Apple Podcasts would be really nice, just something to think about, helps the show grow and connects with people, we got a really nice review, uh, the other day. So we want to thank you, whoever that was. Uh, loved the show. Said glowing remarks and that makes us feel good. So having said that, Travis, do you rely on reviews for
2: your happiness? Um, Like movies, like movie reviews? You I mean reviews for our podcast specifically is my Any every review. Yeah, a movie directly review. Directly
1: like, do you take movie connected. reviews about movies you have nothing to do with personally?
2: <laughs> um, If I was at all involved with the film uh How do you know? I spent a lot, i spent a lot of today reading some of the reviews. I would I would I would take that personally. But Mike, I, I appreciate you uh, showing up all sick. I, I know things got jammed up a little bit last week, so I guess you probably didn't want to mess with that. But I appreciate you taking one for the team when you're not feeling tippy top. Always appreciated. But uh, I'm I'm happy to uh, be here on a Thursday evening talking movies with two of my oldest friends.
1: Do you ever do that thing where you know you got to puke, but it's not coming out? So you jump up and down to kind of like force it out. It, it works.
2: Mm, can't say I've ever really? jiggled. Nobody. Yeah. To no induce vomit.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's like that. You always feel better. I, personally, it's. I know a lot of people have drunk too much. Drunk mm-hmm. too much. Yes, and they get mm-hmm. hungover, and they know that a good puke makes them feel much better. It really opens up the day, and then you mm-hmm. feel like you could actually accomplish yeah. stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Eric, I know yeah. you know
1: what I'm talking about, Eric.
2: Mm-hmm. Vomit talk here in Cinema Nine, Mike. Thank you, hey, hey, Eric, it's For the efforts.
1: It's only human.
0: I, I, you don't have to mute like, yourself anymore. You have a
1: real microphone.
0: You know, well, I got. I also have like two loud little dogs and a baby, and I never know when they're going to make a sound. So I try to keep it cool.
1: Part of the uh, show, as far a as charm. like
0: throwing up, you know, I, I'm like if it happens, it happens. I think.
1: Well, I just thought of a couple of stories that I will leave because they're not stories for everyone to know. Hey,
0: look at us here by the way,
1: our pal Aaron Worley, who's going to be on the show soon. God. Look at that. Sup, buddies. Harlem Shuffle Girl. Boy, that was like seven years ago. Harlem Shuffle. Remember that? That's so dumb. Where the fuck is that coming from? Ice
2: Bucket Challenge. Let's do it. Oh, not
0: girl. Hurl. Harlem Shuffle Hurl. Ice Bucket Challenge? Uh, I love how the Ice Bucket Challenge. (laughs) I love how that was like a huge success. Got a bunch of money, but they didn't do it again.
1: Why? (laughs) (laughs) It's a one-off. That's it. Yeah. That's the thing about viral stuff. You can never do it again. Why <laughs> is that a written rule? It's fucking
0: know. dumb.
2: Well, like, what is the Charleston going to come back in a TikTok video? I mean, like fads, mm-hmm. how much do they like repeat? I don't know how much they the can. The Charleston
0: didn't garner over $19 million worldwide. Like the uh, Ice Bucket it's Challenge. They're just like, yeah, it's over. Like No one cares yeah. anymore. Yeah, so oh, well. they
1: did it again. Uh that's a good point. That's a really, I like that point. Well said, sir. Well, Eric,
2: uh, by all means, pick up another charity from yeah. your choosing and start dumping ice all over yourself and see if it breaks
1: off. Yeah, it was Why heart not? disease, cancer. These things are still out there, man. So we got a lot of work to do.
2: There's, there's other diseases too. There's <laughs> plenty to choose from.
1: He's right. Doesn't sound like you're up for it, though. I'm getting No, no, I'm that. busy. Yeah. Busy. Oh, I understand that. Uh too busy to take pictures yeah.
2: of myself dumping
1: ice on my head. Aaron will be on the show uh, soon when we are doing our guest rotation. We're going to be stepping up the guests more frequently, having them more often because there's a lot of people out there who love movies and we're doing like an exchange program. We connect with people on other podcasts. We talk to people who love movies. And I think through that we'll have growth for the show.
2: I think it's going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a good call to, uh, you know, spread the wings a little bit. and It's nice to have, you know, friends make new friends come on the show. It's, Great. It's great all around. So I'm looking
0: forward I'm pumped. to it. Yeah, uh, i Aaron and I usually are pretty similar in our in our movie liking, So I think it'll end up. Being a good <laughs> I was going to say, where are you going with that? <laughs> ah, that's funny. Oh,
1: man. Sorry, is that too personal? I thought it was funny. I bet Aaron's laughing right now. Aaron's always laughs at everything. He's got a great sense of humor, and that's why he's going to make for a great Cinema 9 podcast. I'm really excited for it. In
2: fact- if you laugh at everything, do you actually have a great sense of humor, though? I, 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 I beg to differ. You're, ind- you're undiscerning in that point. You'd be yeah, like, like yeah. charge... Eric makes the charge that I like all movies for it. That. Yeah. that would be, you know,
0: like that would not be very discerning if that were true of me. Yeah, it's true. As if, as I, I if, I, it. if I were to tell you, gentlemen, that my house is on fire currently during the podcast and you started laughing, I'd, I'd be disturbed. I mean, yeah,
1: you should be I should regret what I said there. And Aaron would probably disagree <laughs> with that Aaron does have a discerning sense of humor. So, Aaron, if you think I'm putting words in your mouth, Travis is clear to the air. My apologies. <laughs> Aaron already sent me his movie of choice, which is way oh, ahead of boy. schedule. So Yeah, yeah. he told And me he I've too. never fucking wow. heard of it. I've never heard of it ever. What? So this is, it's a deep cut. I think it's a
2: deep cut. Well, we got some time on it. He yes. might change his mind. We'll see. He's it's true, time.
1: Aaron. You could change your mind because you got some time. But this is one of the earliest submissions for a guest we've ever had. Anyways, we love the enthusiasm. We love the passion. And that's what we do here at the Cinema 9 Podcast. Enthusiasm, passion, and... Movies? probably a movie that's good yeah movies that's perfect I was gonna say wisdom but I don't know how wise we are so vomit uh 9-11 uh (laughs) Paul Schrader uh Diane Keaton Diane Keaton
0: (laughs) no one (laughs) cries
1: like that Diane Keaton what are you doing you don't just (laughs) no one wakes up and cries no one wakes up and wails they wake up and cry but they do not wake up and wail (laughs) <laughs> that's okay. yeah i mean it's for comedic effect i get it uh anyways aaron says he laughed at travis's comments so that's good yeah. travis look so he that laughed me. did he discern the laugh though that's what i want to know having said that travis roy let's get into quarantine viewing picks. uh what you've been watching man what are you recommending Excited. to the masses
2: Oh well, I've I've uh, I'm on summer break, so I uh, watched a, a little bit more than usual. Uh, I'll kick it off with uh, I don't usually do TV recommendations, and I, especially because you know I don't really watch a lot of TV, uh, it has to be pretty highly recommended. Um, Mike, you've already recommended this. I'm here to say the hype is real. I've watched all but three episodes of the first season of Ted Lasso, and I <laughs> fucking love it. It is, it is, it is so good. I mean, I'm a huge fan of things like Breaking Bad and Sopranos and all that kind of stuff. But it's so refreshing to have like this wholesome, positive, like inspiring character that's just like, I mean, it's it's like I've laughed. I've cried, you know, like it's it's really good stuff. And uh, I think that it's really deserving of the hype that it's been getting.
1: Isn't it, though? It really is shocking. It's not I would say it's not cheesy either. Like it's thoughtful. It's not like it doesn't go for cheap laughs it lays out the character development in a way that you kind of get to make your own decisions about it. Like it lets you know who the, who he is pretty quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of know what this guy's about. Mm-hmm. And. But he's not one you dimensional, said, I
2: agree with, but he's not one What's dimensional, it? right? Like, he's, no, like he's, not, no. he's not like toxically positive. Um, Although he like yes. runs, he runs up very close to that, but he's still yes. a human character. I, it's just really good stuff. I, I'm really, really a big fan. So I'm looking forward to finishing those last three episodes tonight. And then the season two, uh, gets dropped or the first episode at least gets dropped tomorrow. So I'll be right there. to right, uh, Jump on in. I'm looking forward to that.
1: I'm so glad you liked it. I, I wouldn't, I wasn't sure how you would exactly feel. I'm sure that you would laugh a few times, but I didn't mm-hmm. know if
2: you would absorb it, how you have absorbed it.
1: And you know, it makes you feel good that you did.
2: I'm happy no, for you. Yeah, it's a very human kind of story, you know, which is maybe a dumb very. thing to say. All, all stories written by humans are human stories. <laughs> we give the fuck know, about, <laughs> we
1: but don't give a fuck about British soccer either, so it doesn't even yeah, matter. It's yeah, nothing to the, do with it.
2: A lot of the games are taking place off screen anyway. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it's perfect. Um, yeah, so, and I, I and I liked it. And I watched another sports film uh, from 2011, something else that had been hyped up to me. <laughs> enough times. <laughs> I watched Goon. I really liked Goon, man, with with uh, Sean William Scott. Um, it was good. Now, brutally homophobic mm-hmm. and like homoerotic, like very too th- like even for 2011, I'm just like, like the first two thirds of this movie, I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, Jay Baruchel's character in particular. I'm like, this is rough. Um, but you, you cut that pretty uh, rotting heart out, and you got you got yourself a nice uh, nice movie with a with a heart again. Um, and uh, I really I really liked Goon. Good good climax. You know, I, it was good. I liked Goon. It's a great the- movie. I
1: mean, it's a fun movie, or it was yeah. funny. So.
2: yeah, I'm not gonna do the sequel, but um I, I did enjoy Goon I could see why people talk about it for ten years. Um I did uh Quiet Place Part Two, more of the same. Uh, More am yeah, Not going to yeah. bother with the third one, which they're inevitably going to make. Wow. Bothered. I turned off Fear Street Part Three <gasps> after watching the Uh-oh. first two. I made about 15 minutes in it, and like the historian to me was just like, "This is such fucking bullshit." It takes place in 1666, but they're treating like 1976. I couldn't. <laughs> I just couldn't. I I, I turned it off. Um, have you guys uh, seen this movie Abe and Phil's Last Poker Game? By anything? never even heard or, of it. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it either. Um, this is the last movie that um Walt uh, god I always want to say well no that Martin Landau uh did. This is the last film that he did. Uh it's him and Paul Servino and uh I could see why it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's really brutally honest and it's about like two guys who become friends in an o- old folks home and it's very much about like like what happens if you like they're two very different guys one's like the sports guy one's like the cerebral guy but either way like what happens to men who like place so much of their self and and their virility and when they can no longer get it up so it's very much about sex and like um like the like what happens in old age and like when you can't fuck anymore um and it's but it's funny and kind of sad and 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 it was good i think i mean like mike i know you like movies about older folks like seniors <laughs> seniors uh and and Eric I know you like Martin Landau so I might I might recommend this one to both you guys Walk in the Woods
1: that's about old people.
2: Right yeah well who, who doesn't love it? Um I watched uh Eric I know you watched this too you didn't care for the
0: Empty Man huh? Oh my god. I'll be <laughs> talking about it. I can talk about it. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. We'll it. Well, let's let's do it together. I mean okay James Badgedale, yeah, he's a good actor. The guy's he's good. A great actor. Right? Yeah, he's out Hold the dark. He was fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah, uh, I found him catatonic in this nothing protagonist role in an insufferably long, horrible, boring film, The Empty Man. But it's it's got get getting a cult following for some weird reason I just don't understand.
2: So this was recommended to me by by a friend of the show Eric uh, Aaron Worley, aka Chudbud. Who knows his stuff when it comes to horror and he, he really loved it. And I gotta say, Eric, I really liked it too. I, I mean, I I thought the cast was strong. James Badsdale again, like I liked him from um Standoff at Sparrow Creek. But you also got Marin Ireland who did good work in The Dark and the Wicked last year. Um and you have Aaron Poole, who I hadn't seen since The Void, which I, I really enjoyed. Um I could see where for you know, like I, I, I could see where a lot of people wouldn't like this. I, I think that a lot of people would find like some people are going to want like this kind of slender man ripoff and be disappointed in it's kind of um ambitious scope and some people are going to be like oh this is like a this is like a people are taking this horror movie seriously i should watch it then they're gonna be like, this is a little light for me i could see kind of like i could see this does seem like kind of a niche kind of movie and the people that like it i think are gonna love it because i really enjoyed it i'm gonna watch it again i was actually kind of surprised when you were burning it on facebook the other night uh i thought it was i thought it was really strong um but the big for me, the Bring main it. the Bring main it. reveal, I went to the movie, I realized I had not gone Ugh. to the movie with another individual in three years. I went with a with friend of the show, Christian Haraminsky, to see uh, the new Nicolas Cage featured <laughs> and pig. And, and I, I don't want to subvert, I don't I mean I don't want to like I don't want to raise or or give any sort of expectations. Um, but I will say that it it defied mine. I fucking loved it. Oh my god I um, and since I was there for the, with someone who I was like since I didn't go alone to the movies for the first time in years I actually had to like do this a couple of times because there were tears. I, I cried at Pig. I'm unashamed to say um, I'm gonna strongly recommend
0: Pig <sighs> Wow and uh, that's my that's my wow. recommendation for the so movie. so this the day it hit theaters clearly I, I jump on my television and I'm like all right I'm watching this right now because like, I've it. been able to see every single Nicholas Cage they've been begging me to rent them for like 10 years the day of release. But it's nowhere except in theaters. Yeah, it's and the buzz true. is out of control. People are saying it's fucking awesome. I, I really loved it. Oh, who's the wow. filmmaker? It's a first Talk. time
2: out. It's his first time. Unbelievable. The
1: uh, Aaron loved Goon, by the way. So he said it's fun. Hey,
2: Goon is fun. That's great.
1: Uh, well, it looks like I have a faux hawk going on here. Because there's like a bush in the background.
2: Maybe There you oh, go. Oh, it's
1: not real. It's yeah, fun. it's in Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> jackass forever trailer just dropped the other day oh my I god was, is was, he in it are you kidding oh fu- so the whole big deal i'm gonna talk about this real quick geriatric the, the, jackass everybody's in it except ryan dunn who's dead 10 years later i think they're doing is like a 10-year tribute that was the original idea he died tragically in a car accident in 2011 and bam margera got booted from production back in february because he is fucked up he's got a lot of fucked up he can't stay sober he's got massive alcohol problems and drug problems and it was they had him apparently he there's all this drama online on Instagram him posting videos saying Johnny Knoxville Jeff Tremaine you're all pieces of shit you know it sounds very much like a guy who is in it he's in deep in the use and he's just not going to hear it from anybody apparently he was piss tested and all these things he had to see a psychiatrist and they had to see him take his pills in order for him to be on set Paramount was very sketchy about it and there's no Bam Margera. He's out. He's gone. But everybody else is there, and apparently it's the last one. Like Motley Crue went on tour eighty thousand times after they said it was the last one.
2: So. Couldn't, couldn't be less interested in seeing that.
1: Ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, the Jackass crew, kind of in a way. I mean, we're not stuntmen, clearly, but it always reminded me of like us and our friends. Like, if oh right. my man, if we had done something cool like that, I always liked their camaraderie, and they all they all stayed together as friends for what you could
2: tell. Yeah, sure, you know, it's stupid
1: I mean, shit, but I like stupid shit.
2: It was great back in the day. I mean, like, I liked the CKY video, when it, the skating video when it first came out and all that stuff. Like, that stuff was all pretty classic, but, you know, I kind of outgrew it. <laughs> not to fine. be that guy, but i you mean, be that guy. not interested in watching people, like, break bottles over their head or whatever the fuck, I, I, or, let alone paying for it.
1: Yeah, apparently Steve-O had the worst concussion of his life on this one, and that's not funny, really. So, no, it's not funny to um, me. I
2: don't know. Yeah, I'm, I understand what you. I mean wish there, them but... well. I I wish I wish them well, and to yeah. those that enjoy the Jackass movies, have at it. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, I I'll go see it because I just I love that shit, and uh, that's it. That's all I want to say about that.
0: Uh, Eric, so
1: it's your turn, my friend. What have you been watching? What do you want to recommend to these
0: people out there? I'll save my recommendations toward the end because I I watched a lot this week. You know, I I took a look at. Uh, <laughs> Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. <laughs> you know this movie? It's a fact-based story of Sonora Webster, who, like, she did horse diving, like, in the 1920s. Yeah, 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 I've seen this. Yeah, uh, I mean, it stars the the absolutely lovely Gabrielle Anwar. Uh, and, I mean, if you're into movies where horses are forced off 60-foot cliffs by circus performances, you you, you might, you know, you might like it. Uh, it's It's kind of sweet in its own way, but this practice is just so... Like, bizarre to watch and understand as an actual concept, and it's hard to get behind the, the movie. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I liked it okay. I got myself into like a Betty Davis kick because Ant was watching them, and like we just watched one after the other after the other. And this is an incredible actress. Like, uh, we watched like four movies from hers from back in the day of Human Bondage, Jezebel, which was my favorite a marked woman, and and no one can yell at a fucking guy like this woman, she was fucking incredible Travis, we just talked about how amazing Burnt Offering is mm-hmm. uh, but, and you know, these were primarily in the 30s and she's going from spoiled brat to psychopath to this strong indignant, independent woman her range was incredible, so uh, a, a nice little run there um, I had never seen Battle Royale this Japanese movie from 2000 I've been hearing about forever. Have you seen this? It's 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 really fucking weird. It's like, it reminds me, yeah, it reminds me a lot of the long walk. I mean, my favorite Stephen King, Richard Bachman book, all these kids just forced into this tournament where they have to kill each other until there's one last survivor. And there's some interesting social commentary about how kids treat their parents and how eventually, uh, it's gonna to lead to absolute chaos when the youth takes over and it's it's fucking wild, man. I it's on tubi and if, if you're in like a like a fun action like thriller mood, I suggest giving it a look because it's it's pretty solid. I stayed in uh, Asian cinema with 2016's uh The Wailing, uh, South Korean what horror. What'd you think? <laughs> wow, loved it. It's so, so fucking awesome. Amazing. I mean, yeah, I talked it up on the show before. I think it's one of the best <sighs> horror movies I've ever, ever seen. You know, I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like god damn i mean god bless this movie like movies don't for some reason not a lot of them their intention is just to scare you not just like to I'm like, i like to have fun just as much as the next guy but a lot of horror movies are like they're fun to watch but they're also scary something like this is just like gives you that sense of dread you sometimes need in a horror movie where you go in just you know wanting to be scared and it gives you that that emotion Loved it so much, man! So beautifully made. Uh, And I I took out a lot of documentaries. Uh, My friends, "Between the World and Me" is from 2020. It's this moving, lyrical documentary about the African American experience growing up in inner city Baltimore. Talking about Aaron, Uh, Mahershala Ali, Joe Morton, Miles Dyson, Angela uh, Bassett—just these beautiful stories and poetry about inner city life in that in that city. Very moving documentary.
1: Who plays Miles Dyson by his character name from Terminator 2? He did
2: both. Somehow, Joe Morton Morton and the character of Miles Dyson both appeared in this thing.
0: Wow. Joe Morton as Miles Dyson. Gives his uh, thoughts I'm on Baltimore. I can appear in this documentary. I don't know. I'm a slugger. I can live in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a really beautiful uh, portrait of life in that in that city that's that needs a lot of help. Leap of Faith is a documentary on The Exorcist, oh, and phew. you know, I'm a big Bill freaking fan. <laughs> this guy's out of control. He's eighty five. He's like, you know, I'm hyperbolic. This guy's like the most hyperbolic filmmaker of all time. And, and, you know, it's no easy feat to be more than the, than me at that. His stories are insane. He's justifying, like, slapping Ellen Burstyn in the face. Just justifying, like, like, no. like, just like putting his actors through all of this shit. You know, unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Th- the movie's uh, incredibly uh, amazing. The, the stories he has, I've never heard before. And I've heard everything there is to know about The is Somehow they squeeze uh, much more trivia into this hour and a half. So I dug the film on Shudder. Um, the Power of Greyskull. OK, I'm gearing up for this He-Man show on Netflix, even though it's probably about Tila from what I'm hearing. Uh, so it chronicles the evolution of the He-Man character and its influence on toys and television and pop culture. Hour and a half. We got interviews with Dolph Lundgren. Frank Langella talks about Skeletor uh, in an honest way. He talks about how much he loved playing the character. And it's just it's just really fun and sweet, fun nostalgia and an excellent chronicle of this product and the and the uh, people behind it at Mattel. So yeah, it's a fun, easy watch on Netflix. And you know, aside from the Empty Man, the empty empty plot, empty script, empty blah blah blah. That that was about it. So, Mike, what do you what do you got?
1: Uh not much. You know, I didn't really watch any movies over the last week. I actually yeah. been living outside more. Actually
0: enjoying summer. I really enjoyed Mike, summer. What? Mike, one more thing. I checked in with uh, the Rick Rubin Paul McCartney documentary. Three, two, it's on one. Hulu, and it's it's just more like for the past 25 years, anytime there's a Paul McCartney doc, it's just the interviewer just shuts up and lets this guy tell the same old Beatles stories. Even Rick Rubin, like, he didn't do anything but just placate Paul McCartney for the entire thing. There's no insight into the, like, his his feedback on what he thinks about the recording process and all that, it's just him like, oh, uh, John and I were friends early on. Can't recommend it. Oh,
1: wow. Uh, Aaron says the He-Man doc is great, so he's supporting you. He also said earlier that Battle Royal is fucking great. It was banned for many years for child violence. Big fan here, though. He says
0: he's a big fan. So. Yeah, really good. Uh, crouching patron, <laughs> hidden exit. Yes. Old crouching tiger joke. Crouching patron, hidden exit.
1: Steve. That's so great to have somebody who's been around for decades that can throw jokes that no one else gets. But that's funny. I think that's a funny joke. Uh, we're crouching tigers, like, what, 20 years old at least? So, been a while. Mike, are oh, you ahead. telling me Sorry, you didn't
2: watch any TV all week other than how do you know?
1: That is that is definitely a lie. Okay. The, the problem is uh, you watch you're, sports. you're good there. You're good there. You're What's right. So, you watch television sports. You know your guy. You know your guy. Oh, Very good. Uh, no, I didn't watch any sports. Uh, I just binged a TV show that I. Uh, I you know I did the Ted Lasso and mm-hmm. I did the other TV show I liked recently. I think I talked about it. I don't know. I feel like I watched a couple shows. Oh Loki! I wa- I finished Loki. What would you think? Yeah, that's right. I finished Loki. Um, Not into it, huh? Well, I was I was into it. I I think I sent that text though in the thread. Episode three kind of stopped me in my tracks when they're on the train and they're just talking mm-hmm. and they're trying to do character development. I get that, but
2: so you didn't like the sixth episode.
1: I don't know. I'm kind of confused right now. Which is what you're supposed to be. There is supposed to be like an uncertainty, right? Sure. It's kind of a cliffhanger yeah. episode, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. No spoilers, but yeah,
1: no without spoilers. It's a cliffhanger. Like you'll get to that point. You'd be yeah, like, yeah. Do but I know what's going
0: on?
2: Definitely one that, like, if you're following the MCU, it seems like you need to watch Loki. Like, that's gonna you yes. Just, the implications are gonna like be, I think, years long. Yes,
1: that is a fact. Uh, I mean. as not a fact, because you yeah. can't prove that. But as much as a certainty, yes, you are correct. i glad I watched it. It was somewhat interesting. Uh, it's very, I think it requires a second watch. I really do. Because it's really in-depth in a way that, not so much like the minutiae, but just, its mm. scope
2: is large. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. Time, space, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the multiverse, all this stuff. Yeah. You and know, apparently, there's
2: this this whole Disney Plus show called Assembled, which it's there's only three episodes, but it's like the the making of WandaVision, the making of Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier, which I didn't watch either one of those. Um, but then the making of Loki, which I watched that I think last night, and that was really interesting. That was cool. Okay. Um, get, get some background. Watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you like if you liked it, um, there's there's especially if you like the Loki character and you like the MCU generally, because you're you know this is this is a character that has been around for over a decade. But, you know, up until this series, it's, he's only had like, I think, two hours. Like, I don't know, like not a lot of screen time in 10 years, like two hours or something like that. Like he's, you know, That's he's true. Been, he really, he, a fan favorite for not really actually being in a ton.
1: Being in some of the worst movies of the MCU so far. A couple of them, yeah. <laughs> his fault. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Thor, Thor 2. Yeah. Ragnarok's awesome. But, uh, but
2: props to uh, Kenneth Brown for casting him in the first place in Thor, which uh, you do have to give him credit for that. I will give him credit for Yes, this. please do. I'm, Kenneth I'll, tell, I'll tell our friend Kenneth. Hey, Kenneth, uh, I know it didn't work out between you
1: and uh, Helena Bonham Carter, or did he break up the marriage with somebody else? I can't remember who it was. I
2: do not know. I don't Kenneth know. Kenneth the
1: you know, I thought you were tied in this stuff because you taught me so much about uh, <laughs> the relationship between Aaron Taylor Johnson and Sam
2: Johnson. <laughs> I'm very selective about which random celebrities' personal lives I care to absorb. <laughs>
1: uh, that's all. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh were married in the 90s. And then Kenneth Branagh had an affair with Helena Bonham Carter. And then when Helena Bonham Carter was cast in the Harry Potter series, Emma Thompson was like, oh, there's going to be trouble because they were there was a lot of bitterness there. But they cleared it all up. They were adults and they were professionals. They worked it out.
2: I thought that was pretty cool. That's a fun fact. That's a fun, that's not fun a fact. fact. about. Well, is it a
1: fact? I mean, it. Kinda as a fact. I'm gonna, a factoid.
2: Gonna get sued for slander. For you're one. out of here! But ah! <laughs> well, yeah, I
1: watched Loki. I finished that up. Not bad. I definitely, you know, give it a shot. If you're an MCU guy, you're gonna fucking watch it anyway. So whatever. I'm not. You know, I'm not stopping anybody. It's really something that you would already kind of need to know about in the first place. And the rest of the time, I, I just binge watched the the show, The League. It's an old FX show from the 2010s. Wow, this show is fucking crass as fuck. I watched it when it came out back in the day on television in real time. In terms of holding up the league, they really push the limits of comedy and I do respect that. But whoo! You were talking about the homophobia in 2011's Goon. Yeah. Uh, the league has a tremendous amount of homophobia, but they're trying to make it sound like it's cool, but it's not. So
2: yeah, that's what Goon was doing too. Like at one point he beats a guy up for like making fun of him for being gay and it's like, "Yeah, that's that's cool, but you're still using all kinds of really gross terminology and jokes
0: here. Yes.
1: Yeah. Paul uh, Shear, Paul Shear, who I love. I think Paul yeah, Shear yeah, is very, he's great, very funny guy. He's the butt of, like, all the jokes on the league. He's like the Liberty of our friend. <laughs> you know, he would always just get attacked by. He gets attacked by everybody all the time, and I felt bad for him. But all the jokes most of the time are homophobic, so I don't know if that, that doesn't fly. It doesn't hold up, and that's something that uh I understand, but I did watch the show, and it's just, like, mindless TV so I'm not recommending it. I'm Ted Lasso that.
2: wouldn't approve. I mean, he would find no! dist- Fuck distasteful. No.
1: I know. Damn it. I, I think about that show. I right. kind of
2: don't want to do anything that would disappoint Ted Lasso now.
1: I know. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally am. I'm like, I watched the show Ted Lasso and I'm going to start changing my life.
2: <laughs> be a little <laughs> kinder.
1: Like, yeah. I was like, I got so much work to do. Man, I'm way behind in life right now. <laughs> it really was that profound. It's fucking weird. I, I totally, I've had a
2: day I'm, watching it. I can't pretend like I haven't.
1: I'm not, yeah, I'm with Travis. <laughs> I'm not kidding at all. It's pretty weird, but also very inspiring. And you know, after the last year or so, inspiration is nice. It's a good thing to have. Yeah. All right, there it is. Uh yeah. I didn't watch any movies though, so I guess I just kind of slowed my role and got caught up in life. I will tell you, you this. Know,
2: right? I did. I,
1: I uh definitely went back and watched How Do You Know because that's the focus of today's Does It Hold Up? 2010 film from Jimmy Brooks, the legend. Uh, uh, the legend, I would say it's fair to say he's a legendary oh, human sure. being.
2: I just have to make those old sucking it up lessons work for me now. Like like when we lost the NCAA championship by one run and, and instead of having some self-pitying, self-indulgent Kleenex party, we did a little good. You know, there were these kids there and... Are you bored?
0: Transfixed.
2: Cut it out. I don't understand what you're doing. These cannot be moves. <sighs> Do I sound like I'm
0: feeling sorry for myself? No, because go ahead, no, st- come on. You were saying? It's just that most of the girls I play with, you know, when they're done
1: playing, they their plan is meet a guy, love, have a baby. Go back to grad school and get a job. I, I mean, I'm doing those things, but
0: my problem, my challenge is... Oh, God, shut up. No, up, no, no, shut no, no, up. no, 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 no. I think you're saying exactly you know, what you need to be I, saying. I, I Just let it out. Just anymore. talk. Come I on. Can't. Otherwise, disease starts. You oh, have why to... don't
2: you shut up, too? What the hell do you know except for looking at me like you're Bambi? Have you ever seen that movie?
1: Yeah, it's a wonderful film. I own it. In terms of endearment,
2: good as it gets. The Simpsons. Other, other movies also.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh,
0: Spanglish, you know, not bad. Yeah, it didn't didn't do well. <clears throat> Mike, uh, just for yep. the record, you've you've seen How Do You Know twice?
1: I have. I've seen it more than twice.
2: Okay. <laughs> I think I've, I've probably I, I, seen it
1: four or five times.
2: I've now seen it twice. This is my second viewing today. Uh-huh. Um yeah.
1: You wanted to double check.
2: Well, I mean, I always watch the movie, you know, with the of our, of our of our selection. Like i am never I always I always watch it right before we do the show. I mean, that's
1: oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you did you watch it earlier in the week or you'd seen it once before?
2: Yeah, I'd seen it once before. I watched it like a year ago or less. So like uh-huh. fun funnily enough, um, this movie came out in 2010. But during the pandemic, I don't remember which month. But at one point it was in Netflix's top ten viewed movies of, of the day for like weeks. Like it was just really? like dominating for whatever reason. Like it just kind of was trending and trending and trending. Um, and I watched it then. Ah, okay. So that was your first experience with this movie,
1: yep. uh, Eric Brancham. What was your first experience with this film? Yesterday morning. You know what's great about Eric because yes, he's hyperbolic, but he can never hide
0: his uh,
1: disdain or his pleasure. Really. Oh, I'm not That's showing my know. cards here.
0: Just, look more than you know, sir. <laughs> you know that you know me and Reese Witherspoon have never really quite gotten along until I, I took another look at Election uh, last year, where I'm like, Christ, this is a This is a damn fine actress. So anytime there was a trailer with Reese Witherspoon, I'd be like, I'm not seeing it. I won't be there. So I ended up missing this, even with the great Jack Nicholson in there. So, wow.
1: Yeah, that's what surprised me. I know, you know, people don't know. Eric's a big Nicholson guy. It's his favorite actor. He said many times on the show. And I thought that would draw a lot of people into this
2: movie, but apparently didn't. Well, it's not like it was announced when he did it, that it was going to be his last movie. It just ended up being his last movie. If he had made a bigger stink about it, but he kind of fell into the role. It was supposed to be Bill Murray. It's the second time that Jack Nicholson replaced a role uh, for Bill Murray. The other one being Witches of Eastwick. Um, Bill Murray had even started rehearsing and was like all on board to do it and then just lost interest like at the last fucking minute like he does because. I don't know. It's really <laughs> fucking important, I guess. And Jack, so. was, Jack was uh, kind enough to step in with his friend, you know, James L. Brooks, who he'd worked with twice before, uh, got an Oscar both times. So he probably thought, "Hey, what could go wrong?" And uh, and and this ended up being his final film with him.
1: Not for the Evening right. Star, though.
2: <laughs> no, he didn't, get he didn't get one for the Evening <laughs> Star. Uh, was that was that James L. Brooks directed? I, no. No. No, he passed on a sequel. Character by oh, Jimmy Brooks. Shit. Yeah, it was, a, it. it was a sequel, but he didn't direct it.
1: Okay, well, then I'm all, you're off the hook, and I apologize for making that reference because it's not valid. Nolan and void, as they say. But yes, Jack Nicholson comes into this movie. I, the first time I saw this movie was in like 2012 ish. I was farting around, I was <laughs> playing with movies, and I, I happened to stumble upon it somehow. I was like, oh, look at all these people in this movie. I got to watch this ASAP. I was really excited to watch it. So. Mm-hmm. James Brooke, Jack Nicholson, Paul Rudd, yada, yada, yada. Reese Witherspoon, of course, my my friend, yeah, uh, who I feel like they announced did a... my Academy Award victory
2: a couple <laughs> months ago. That's so. right, my goofy is. I feel like they did a really bad job marketing this movie, and this is a famous flop. I mean, this movie is one of the biggest flops, one of the biggest financial flops of all time. Um, and uh, weirdly enough, I was looking, I was reading this Hollywood Reporter article, and I guess, it, like, remember that movie, It's Complicated? Um, yes, uh, with that's uh, a, a follow-up to uh,
1: Something's Gotta Give.
2: Yes, it was. That made like two hundred and twenty million dollars somehow, and the year before, how do you know, came out. So they they they're banking on it making like a similar buck, and it did not. It it made back less than half of the I I got murdered. One hundred twenty million that was spent on it. it, and and I remember when it came out, vaguely getting like. Like my impression was two things: one, this blip through theaters because I remember it being like a VHS or whatever, like oh, almost immediately on D- on DVD, and two, like I-, I think I mentioned on the show once before, I thought that like Rudd and Nicholson were like roommates; it was some sort of buddy comedy. Like I had no fucking clue what the premise was. Like it just like <laughs> I mean, like I, I, I you know I wasn't looking that closely, but for seeing a couple previews, it seemed like the the the, the delivery on how they were marketing this was muddy.
1: Yep, Budfest for sure, no doubt about it. It lost like $105 million, absolute train wreck disaster. And Jimmy Brooks has technically not directed a feature film since.
0: Oh, I there's guess. no way. I, I I doubt he'll ever make another movie. Uh, yeah, No, not now. No, it,
2: it was Spanglish right before this, which I liked, but it was a flop as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. So back-to-back six years apart, boom, party's over. Uh, I looked up this. I was looking at this recently because I was thinking about doing it, so I already knew the score on IMDb. Does anyone not look?
0: I didn't look. Yeah, me neither. All right. Uh-huh. Well,
1: give it a shot. You guys just talked about some of the <laughs> floppiness of it.
2: It's a big flop. It's a big flop, but I mean it's still some big actors. Um I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess six one. Let's say six one. Zero. <laughs> ah, come on, Eric. Try again.
1: It's
0: a joke. Uh five nine. 5.4. 5, 5.4. 5.
1: 5.4. 5. Is this 4. the lowest ranked IMD movie we've ever done? Probably. I think Pro- so. Oh, shit. God damn it. it I, I make all low. the wrong news on this show.
2: I really do. God damn it. But hey, that's
1: okay. Hey, the good, I, that's girls what... still,
2: good, the good Girls were one of our most downloaded shows. I don't know if you guys knew that.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe and maybe it's, it's probably because everyone Fla thinks the it's the movie because it's nowhere to be found. And <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're curious about—is this a real movie? Flonda Coco—is that a real director? I think it's a fair question
2: to ask that. But I like—I forgot his real name. He's just Flonda Coco to me. Oh, Michael oh, Arete, she, right? He came back Miguel Art. Arteta. Ar- Ar- Arteta. Ar- okay. All right.
1: Yeah. Arteta. Arteta. Shit. Arteta. It's one yeah. of those two. Miguel Arteta. It. I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's my brother, Anyway, I used to know his name, but then you started getting Flonda Coco in my head. Now i, I really remember him as Flonda Coco. He built did himself that? Yeah. yeah. It's still the greatest uh, ghost director name of all time, without a doubt, right?
2: Flonda Coco. Yeah. Oh,
1: like ghost. Tough,
2: oh, oh, like a name. Whatever you, you want to call it. I thought you were like pen name. He, he directed the movie Ghost. Well, no, he didn't. Flonda, Whoa, he did that movie
1: we didn't. We did that. We did <laughs> that, that movie. Yeah, check that out. We did a lot. We had a lot of fun with Ghost. That was actually back to back supernatural mm-hmm. thrillers. I think so. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we checked the reviews here on Rotten Tomatoes, and as Eric already texted us quickly. Quite quickly in yeah. the text thread, 3125,
0: right? Yeah, I think you're right. 3125 is pretty, pretty low.
1: That's an even score 31 for critics, 25 <laughs> for audience. So,
0: uh, that's not good. Uh, that's surprising. I mean, even with two things, surprise me uh, about the, the box office and these reviews. I mean, with any syrupy Reese Witherspoon or, or even general rom com. It seems like audiences are going to show a little mercy and they're at least going to go to the theater. I'm just so clueless about what happened here.
1: Well, we're going to find out with some of the reviews here. Uh, Bill Goody Koontz. Yes, his
0: name (laughs) is Bill. Say it again. Bill Goody Koontz. Goody Koontz. Is that like a hyphenated name? No, it's
1: not hyphenated. Goody Koontz is one word, apparently. He's a, he works top critic at the Arizona Republic. Some of the bits are funny. Every now and then, they're sweet. Performances are okay. And really, with this much talent involved, it's hard not to be disappointed in that.
2: Okay. Oh. I mean, All right. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to Didn't he him. just say he was yeah. it was kind of good? Yeah. That he's disappointed in that. Yeah, it's hard not to be disappointed. His expectations were better, bigger, I guess. He had high expectations.
1: I don't know. Uh, Goody Koontz is his own guy. and <laughs>
0: Goody Koontz does what yeah, he does. Goody
1: Koontz does what Goody Koontz does.
0: <laughs> yeah. Goody,
1: uh, Goody Koontz. So- <laughs> Goody Koontz. I just had to do that. It's so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Goody Koontz, for the comedy. Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com says, Over and over, how do you know kept shooting itself in the foot, butchering my interest and demolishing my emotional investment to the point I was almost wondered why I was still sitting in the theater watching.
2: <laughs> okay. What's Destin got to say? That's what we really want to hear.
1: I know. We all want to hear from Destin. It's very important to us. Destin is a unique human being, and we love you, Destin Thompson. You still have an open invite to come on the show anytime. Anytime. We'll. Do, it could be any day. We'll do... Whatever needs to be done. We'll drop everything we're
2: doing. He's to already sure kindly given us the brush off. Let's just be happy that he follows us on Instagram. Well,
1: I figure <laughs> if you push him enough, you know, if we keep pushing it, I, I, I know we're going to get there. No, he's not. Uh, Wesley he's Morris. One of my... We just
2: talked to him, <laughs> but he doesn't answer.
1: Please! Wesley Morris, one of my personal favorite critics, said, uh, James L. Brooks wrote and directed How Do You Know? And in addition to forgetting a question mark, <laughs> he's also misplaced his point. Oh, geez, Wesley.
2: I do kind of struggle. Like, if you're going to name your movie a question, you do kind of have to include the question mark. Which, funnily enough, when the movie started filming, it was called How Do You Know? question mark. And then, like, they, during production, they changed it to like romantic comedy because they couldn't settle on anything. Then they changed it back to How Do You Know, but took off the question mark. God damn it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no
1: Destin Thompson review, guys. I'm really sorry. Uh, but this was know. during the Obama period. So, he's no, busy. He was, busy. I, yeah, he was right. probably very busy. He was. Doing uh, one more here from. Lisa Schwartzbaum for Entertainment Weekly. The funny moments are whiffed. The dialogue is scene-y? Scene-y? Scene-y. Scene-y with a Y. scene y the y scene y with oh, ay scene y And okay. each reaction shot is held a second or ten too long, leaving the actors hanging. Holy shit, that is so true. There is something about so many conversations uh. and dialogue in this movie where people, like, pause, but it's like bad pauses like it's not like wow you know this is a natural conversation it seems so forced Do <laughs> you notice that in this film anybody
2: i i didn't notice that one one <laughs> thing i did notice this is a movie i've never noticed this in any other movie before though i've heard about it, that like that people like you know like you know like, like grips will like wet the pavement before filming because it makes the like cement pop better like film better so like every fucking scene outside in this movie has just rained the entire movie like he's standing in puddles and shit but, the, but there's never any actual rain coming down except for like one scene. I'm like, I'm like, never have I noticed that in a movie. So much <laughs> this, but this is Janusz Kaminski, right? That's his name? Yeah. Like a yeah. pretty renowned cinematographer, not exactly a slouch, but um, somehow I'm like, what is going on with these wet streets in every fucking scene? I, don't know. I noticed that today <laughs> when I watched it in that one
1: scene in particular with Jack Nicholson and Paul Rudd outside. Like, why is you it can, wet out there? You can
2: see in the background of the shot that you're that you're using behind you. You can see uh,
0: I can see it from here. Even though it's blurred, <laughs> what's street? What road? What streets? Yeah. What does, it, does it rain at any point in the film or is this just residue from? <laughs> he's right.
1: It does. When he has the barbecue and he's pissed because the barbecue goes bad because it gets stuck. Okay. That's it. Right, That's it. Right. it. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, the di- to me, I find it endearing at times, but the dialogue style, the the flow, the cadence of the discussions they have, there's a lot of pausing and like, thinking things over before reacting or actually saying things like early on reese witherspoon she's she gets pissed at maddie owen wilson's character she walks out of the apartment and then just about she close the door she's hand stops the door she comes back in and says this whole thing like you know blah, 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 blah. i have all these sayings and things that i live by and it's it's really that's what i find unique about this movie frankly is the way the people talk in this movie is much different and i almost feel like he overthought it, Jimmy Brooks writing the script. Like he got too inside his head with the dialogue and the way he wanted it to go. Because I believe the actors were just following what the script told them and how the, the actors were supposed to respond. There's a lot of cuts and chopped up pauses. There really is. Jack Nicholson and Paul Rudd do it, where he's like, "I right, fuck it," you know. He's like yelling, oh, "I'll stop yelling." It's a. Lo- it happens a lot in this shit, the movie.
2: I did not notice that, but. I it did take five years or six years to get this movie off the ground. Uh, he, he may have spent a little too much time with it, tinkering at the script, maybe.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Jack Nichols' last movie. Um, is there anything else we want to add to that? Because this is his finest film, and it will be his finest film. Uh, he did the bucket list before this, which, you know, people... Oh, awful. Oh! Horrible. Awful.
0: Horrible. It's a bad movie. Yeah, I mean... Ah. It's, and, it's it's, it's Macbeth compared to this, in my opinion, but Nicholson is on autopilot here. He's like, even the great Jack Nicholson, like he's doing the whole, Hey, this is my line. I'm going to say it this way, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it it gets real tired in this, this whole character. That much. And I have so many problems with, I'm sitting here biting my tongue. Like this whole plot. I can't wait to get into. I have so many issues with every character, the entire plot and especially this heartbreaking last performance by Nicholson where he's you got two things you got Jimmy Brooks trying to make us feel sorry for this corporate fucking asshole who has to go to prison and you have us almost trying to you you have him wanting his own son to go to prison for him because he's going to be there for 25 years to death he he never i mean which never happens These are white collar
1: criminals that never happens by the way
0: side note Th- this ve- okay what is this plot like what is this malfeasance like subplot like what what is the problem here what is the issue how many movies are in this movie
2: well there's 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 two you know there's two lives that are intersecting here george and lisa yeah. and they have their own two separate ways that their lives are falling apart when they've mm-hmm. met each other so there's okay. there's two storylines that are that are intersecting here
1: yeah, she's so, yeah. she gets cut from the softball team. That's a huge thing of her life. Right. And he's being indicted by the federal government. That's a really yeah, big deal. Obviously, there's
2: there's lots of shots where like um someone's in the street and then someone else is a window and they're like talking to each other. And and, and the first one of those is Mark Lynn Baker talking to. Yes and Larry, yeah. I was, I was going to give the man the, the dignity of not yes referring to that, but all right. You got to do <laughs> uh, He's talking to Paul Rudd, who stands on a very wet street, and he calls him <laughs> and tells him um, something along the lines of, like, you know, accept it's really brutal advice. Except it's the like, enormity. Accept the enormity of what's happening. In your life until this point is over like you it's irrevocably irrevocably changed this moment
0: perfect time to try to fall in love and and that's true and that's
2: true for um for her as well and that's one of the plot points of the movie is that it's not the perfect time to try and fall in love and that's i think one of the questions that like um the characters themselves are really clearly grappling with and the viewer is grappling with too is which is like how much of this is casting about when you're in crisis and trying to like find something pleasant in your life to focus on. And how much of this is like uh legitimate, like a uh, connection.
1: Yeah. Well, he's a plucky guy. Is that fair to say? Oh, oh Rudd's yeah. character is a plucky yeah. dude, right? So he, he seems to want, he wants to he avoid this negative energy on purpose because he, he thinks he, it's bad for him.
2: He runs away from bad news. Literally. Right. He, <laughs> yes.
1: He literally, he makes runs away from bad news. But the fact that, you know, the scene where, they have lunch or dinner, or whatever it is. Paul Rudden, East Reese oh. Witherspoon's character, and they decide instead of regurgitating all of their problems that they both have, they say nothing. And I just don't see that happening anywhere, any at any time. It seems like something that's supposed to be unique and cool that James Brooks wrote. Like it'll be different, you know. Instead of you know just letting out all their struggles, they're just going to be silent for a whole meal. And that's exactly mm. what they needed at the end of it. And I'm like, I don't the know, most self-centered.
0: Asinine reason for Paul Rudd to fall in love with her. She just sits there, doesn't say anything, and gives him his space. I, yeah, I don't understand she's got one comment. Follow my
1: father's advice on drinking. Don't drink to feel better. Drink to feel even better. Now wow. I'm just
0: spend the rest of the movie trying to get you to break up with your boyfriend that I don't even know that much about as far as your relationship goes. Cockwalk yeah.
2: the movie. <laughs> so um, to, to reference what you already. Cock blocked the movie. Um, well, I mean, the guy deserves to be blocked, right? I mean, she, yeah, he doesn't she, know that, he kind of anyway, does. I mean, like, well, so, so, uh, she, as you said earlier, Mike, she goes to leave and then comes back and apologizes to him because she's like, I, I'm sorry, like, you, you are just you. And like this was, you know, you're clearly not boyfriend material. This is just a fling. I, sh- I shouldn't have come down so heavy on you, which is kind of like an interesting moment, right? Like, oh, that's she's a different kind of character to a different kind of person to to approach this situation like this where she, you know, most women would probably feel very used. She says she feels like she's in a like on a factory production line. Um, But then, of course, she makes the critical error of acknowledging this giant red flag and being like, I'm going to carve out a relationship with this individual. Anyways, which, again, like because she's in crisis, like this is not I think I think this is not a choice that she would have made had she had she been accepted into the the softball team like she was clearly expecting. They're both do the same thing. They're avoiding these big,
1: big moments in their life, which is supposed to be like a treatise on, hey. This is what you do. You try to, try to avoid things in your life. Don't try to just take it all on at once. Maybe this is a new approach. Or is is it supposed to be, hey, this is dumb as fuck, and these, both of these people are in denial, and denial is a dangerous game, and you got to keep it real and just be honest about what's going on in your life. I don't know. I'll leave that to you guys, but I, I, I just... I just find it odd. You know, Maddie's character is a piece of shit because he's an athlete and that's really, there's a lot of athletes. That's what they do. They are. He's a major league baseball player. He's got a massive ego. They live on their egos. They die if they don't have their confidence and they think they can do whatever they want. So I've thought a lot of realism in what the character was with Owen Wilson's character, who was funny at times and all kind of goofy and doing the Owen Wilson thing, which makes me laugh a few times, but he's also kind of a piece of shit. Who's trying to get better. And if she thinks she's going to get anything different out of him, She's just living in total denial. That's all it is, and I, I get that. I get that, but at a certain point, <laughs> Jersey says, like, this is my place after she asked him to move in. No, uh, bad call. Uh, yeah. Very bad call.
2: I do think that he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's 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 an interesting character because he's clearly shallow, but he's also like trying to improve upon himself in some ways. But like his, his what, what's a big step for him is like laughably shallow to any normal person. Um, but even like compared to his teammates, he's a fucking, you know, a, a, a knight and shining armor. Uh, uh, Dominic yeah. Lombardozzi I think his name is pops in for one scene because the question of the movie is how do you know like how do you know if you're in love and the answer is you wear a condom when you fuck other women That the That's answer right. is given to us anonymous sex.
1: <laughs> Anonymous sex. and yeah I actually give Owen Wilson credit because this was cast as an athlete and he doesn't look like an athlete though pitchers don't always look like superstar athletes but without his earnestness this would have been even worse believe me I really think that he brought something to the character he really did I think you're right.
2: That. I think you're right. He was also, you know, maybe a, a little older than I would expect a Pitzer to be,
0: yeah. um, you know? Yeah. I, I think you <laughs> I think you have a better movie if he's not even in it, and it's just more about uh, Lisa and George and both of their personal crises, and you don't even need this love triangle, to be honest with you guys. I get nothing from this Maddie character. Uh, even, even Lisa, like, she seems to be kind of... Okay, in the beginning... She gets cut from the team, and then, and then about like twenty minutes later, she's cracking jokes. She's just fine. She's like hunky dory. I got groceries. She falls out. She drops out of her conflict. Maybe she's not into this guy, Maddie. Maybe she's not. I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't really seem. There's no stakes here for me. So I, I'd be interested if you think what maddie does to this movie what she what oh, he, he brings to it
2: i mean that's really clear to me i mean because like like she's in a situation where like she's going to get sympathy sympathy and she's telling yeah. her friends like you're going to treat me differently because you you have so much sympathy for me now and i can't handle that and everybody she talks to oh yeah, oh she's and the she's
1: leader not- on that team like everyone looks to her i think it's right. pretty obvious right? yeah
2: she's not used to being like the object oh of yeah lady.
0: It works great for the getting cut from the softball team, but then she spends an uh, like an hour, another hour of the film with with Maddie, just like not really liking him all that much. Well, that's that's one of my points is that like she recognizes that he's not boyfriend
2: material, then tries to make a boyfriend a, a boyfriend out of him anyways. And good thing no one's ever tried to do that ever, right? Because that's completely far fetched, and you know? it would only take place in a movie, right? <laughs> no, of course, we've <laughs> all fucking done that. We've <laughs> all done that. Uh, I Why find that in, you know, like, what is he? He's a fucking roadblock he's an impediment he's the one adjustment in her life that needs to be made so that his her life can, can be bettered which is one you know one of the points that um Paul Rudd's character makes about Plato so I mean I, ad- I, I, he's an antagonist and he's a very gentle antagonist really
1: yeah, yeah exactly but let's very identify gentle. one of the important points that need to be made about this film that something I mean something's going wrong here in the background off screen uh you know, all this money was given just salary a huge chunk of it was just for salary for all these people and there was reshoots they reshot shot the beginning and the ending i think uh for for yep. various reasons and
0: <laughs> oh man
1: Reese Witherspoon trained for literal months, months. hours a day softball training to oh, look this. like a professional athlete she gets 10 seconds on screen catching a ball at the very one of the first scenes of the movie yeah. that's it that's
0: it that was so, time wasted man Yeah, okay can you can you name Name three movies right now about a, a, a female athlete. Can you do it? Because there's an the, opportunity um, here to have to have one that could does be Eddie really count good. What's Gold? the Elliot
2: Page uh, roller derby movie? Whip it, whip, whip it. it! Oh yeah, whip it! Yeah, um, Michelle, Ellen Page. Michelle Rodriguez boxing film, Girl Fight, I believe it's called, right? Mm-hmm. And then million, million,
0: million Dollar Baby. Um, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, those, well, those are three good ones. And, I just uh, yeah. When this started, I was like, oh, I'm on board with, with this whole deal. And then it's just over like that. Never addressed again. Paul George doesn't say anything to her about her baseball career. It's just gone. And and I don't really know why. Because do you guys think there's a over. completely different hey. movie
1: here, though? Like James Brooks had a whole different vision and things just got fucked up or no?
2: Um, I do hear that, like, um, one of the complaints – I think from one of the producers, or like somebody who was on background, I guess, actually, was saying, like in one of the interviews I read, that like he was really meticulous and slow. Like he's famous for moving really slow during filming. And, you know, again, that might be why he's not been doing much. I don't know that, especially when it comes to like a romantic comedy, like, we can't have this take a full fucking year, man. Like we got to pump this shit out. Amazon prime is on top of us, you know, like (laughs) um, can't have that. And, and, And then also like, as far as the film now on one hand, Loki got suspended. Like they ended up taking a lot longer to make Loki than they had intended. And that paid off. They were able to like really tweak it and work well with it to the point that, like, I'm a little concerned that they won't have the time to do that in in future seasons of these MCU shows. Um, but on the other hand, like, you could end up with something a little overwrought, a little overworked that, like, that spontaneity is sucked out of it.
1: Yeah. He's like, we all know, you know, if you've watched Good as It Gets or any other movies by him, it's these neuroses, right? He creates characters with these specific traits especially sure little melvin udall who yeah. has yeah, you know, he's full-on ocd but uh, the other characters all have these little neuroses and he does that pretty well but in this movie it seems like yeah. he just turned it up to 10 and uh, it's, uh, too much too much man
0: you I got you got opportunities for like sorry travis no, no go ahead for, for for exactly what he's known for which is this you know, a blend of dramedy and, and tender character studies with, with the self-discovery in them. You have all these. And for me, the big missed opportunity here is is with the Nicholson character, because one of the things or that relationship, one of the things I like that this movie kind of posits is how far are we willing to go to protect... You know the people that we love, our kids or our parents, mm-hmm. and I think of a movie like Say Anything, where the John Mahoney character he's, he's been indicted and he may have to go to prison, and this is uh, uh, Ione guy's hero. And how is this going to change the relationship and the the semblance of trust? But in here, it just becomes like this. I don't know, Dad. Like, I, I, if she loves me, it can't do it. You're fucked. And it, it, even <laughs> if we had the dad say like like son like i i i i've lived my life or some something like that not maybe that is that cheesy but just, just something different other than your dad hoping that you'll go to prison so he won't it's just it seems very infantile to me. I, I disagree because I think
2: that like um otherwise you remove the stakes for the George character. George has to come to this decision on his own, which ultimately he still puts it in someone else's hands, but like he's like he's willing to make that sacrifice for his father. I will give up years of my life and God knows what would happen to someone who looks like Paul Rudd in prison. Um, like you know, <laughs> oh like boy. he's, he's, willing, to, he's nice. willing to he's 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 willing to strongly consider doing it unless there's like a chance for like for something substantial in his life. so I mean, I think I think that um you know, in just making that choice at least uh, he's he is overriding his father's needs. he's putting his own needs first when he which he seems like the kind of guy that doesn't typically put his own needs first and kind of like it lets himself be beat up on and like he probably Had she not entered his life when she did, the Lisa character, uh, I think he would have just fallen on the sword from the get-go and been like, oh, that really sucks. I'm going to hate prison, but I love my father.
0: You know, I'd say thank God it paid off and he didn't have to go to prison. But I'm still kind of unsure because at the end, he announces his love for her and she kind of looks at him like he's got lobsters crawling out of her eyes. There's no kiss and she doesn't even say anything. The movie ends. They do do kiss. They kiss before that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The kiss uh, before that, hang, hang, hang,
2: on, hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on she is not ready to say I love you to this dude she's like that that would have felt inge- disingenuous to me like she that she was simply not ready for that but like but she is she does get on the bus with them to go l- l- move forward which is enough. Like I, I don't think that would 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 not have made sense for her to be like, I do love you. Like it's just too soon. I think it was
0: the script's responsibility yeah. to get there because Paul Rudd would have said that probably like the scene right after the lunch, and then he spends the rest of the movie chasing this girl almost psychopathically in in order to get her to break up with her boyfriend and go out with him. That they never catch up in their relationship, which just makes it unromantic and awkward for me. What do you mean it's they never a- catch up? Well, she, they don't seem like they're on the same page. He's head over heels and she's like, well, I don't like him. I guess you're okay. Well, she's
1: used to dating athletes too. That's one thing we got to remember. Like she mentions that early on. And so this guy is a different thing for her entirely, apparently, according to this minimal background that we get. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can see your point there. I i think about broadcast news too. Like Holly Hunter's like yeah. this really, uh, like really well done. Like the characters he write like that, it's just, out of control in this movie. Everybody, everyone is up to the tits. They're just fucking on <laughs> tilt. But <laughs> Catherine Hahn might be the best part of this whole film. She's I really great. think that she's great in this movie. She's funny. I laughed. I liked her every time she came on camera, was in a scene where she's trying, she wants to tell him so bad, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's the only thing I have is that I haven't done anything wrong, and I like mm-hmm. that. That was that was like a meaningful and legitimate exchange. And every time she's there. I, I dug it, so I want to give her a crudos for probably being the best uh, performer in this movie.
2: No, I agree. I think I think that it's roles like this with not not the first one that she had. she was also in uh, Our Idiot Brother with Paul Rudd, um, but she um, and Wanderlust, yeah, and Wanderlust with Paul Rudd. You're right. So i mean, like, but uh, they clearly like, like she is fantastic and has been consistently throughout her whole career and stuff like this. That's that's really gonna, um, you know, move her move her up i i was really happy um also with um the lenny uh veneto character um the the guy that plays her her boyfriend yeah that proposes to her al probably best known for being on sopranos he blows into this one scene it just fucking kills it dude i really think he does great like i mean he's kind of like he plays a tough guy so often but he i like him coming into this movie and being like i'm a fucking schlub please love me (laughs) i love you as you are And and i and i like that I like that scene. I like that George fucks up the recording. Scene. He fucks ah! and they have to redo it. And then they kind of have to end up having this moment between him and Lisa as well. Yeah. Like, even though you're like, as a, like, even the audience, you're like, fuck George, you fucked it up. Like, but it actually becomes like an opportunity for the two of them to experience something together. I, I, don't,
1: I, like it. I think that background though would help with the people who didn't know him coming into that. I think that would actually add to what you said there. You know him, you remembered him. If people didn't know who, The guy playing Al was like, oh, I've never seen this guy. I think that background may has a little more meaning to it. And I also I feel like Catherine Han knew that she got cast in a James Brooks movie. This was right after Step Brothers. So Mm -hmm. that was like a big boon for her. And I think she took it way more seriously than everybody else in this movie. Like, this is a big opportunity. I'm in a Jimmy Brooks movie, and she made the most of it. I really got that feeling from her in comparison to all the other actors. For
2: most <laughs> M- part. May, maybe, but I would argue that, like, I think she kind of brings it in everything that she's in. You know what I mean? Oh, I th- I, well, she I, does. I, yeah, I she never I does. Can't really, yeah, yeah I, can never, I can't think of a single role where I feel like, oh, she's kind of sleepwalking. I think here, both but. of those things could be true, actually. Sure, sure. I mean... But I I I don't think that um I don't think Paul Rudd is doing bad work in this, and I don't think that Reese Witherspoon is doing bad work in this, and I don't think yeah. that Owen Wilson is doing bad work in this. Is is this the best work of their careers? Absolutely not. Not for any of them. They all kind of like yeah play versions of themselves more or less. Um, I think the only performance for me personally that I would find disappointing would be Jack Nicholson because it's it could have been anybody. Like as I'm watching it, I'm like. I feel like this should have been Dabney Coleman. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like it could have been fucking anybody, anybody 60 year older. Right. Who's like
0: a white male. uh, I think it's more of a script
1: versus the actor. So you're right. I should have been more specific. The actors are trying to give their best here and it's not their fault. They didn't write the thing.
0: I guess Jimmy called him like two days before production in a panic and he's like, I'll do it. Uh, You got it.
2: Right. And I, and and I, and it feels like that. And I kind of give him a pass. I mean, even, even though I didn't know that the first time I watched it, like, like, as I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh, like, this is very, he's like a, he's very much a tertiary character. He might be like on the billing. He might be one of the main like names because he's fucking
0: Jack Nicholson. But really, this character is not a major and, character. And, and it needed to be, un- I mean, he's my favorite. So, and, and, but in this instance, it needed to be underplayed because I look at this character as just this kind of slimy, lecherous, buffoonish obnoxious weirdo and and I don't really have any sympathy for him one way or another. I I don't like the way he played it. It's weird to say. I mean, are we supposed to have sympathy for him? He's the kind
2: of guy who's going to throw his own son under the bus. My favorite part actually that he has is a line that he has where he's like, like, I don't know if I would manipulate, you know, I don't know if I'm going to try and manipulate you into doing what I want. I might be doing it now. I think that I am like (laughs) he's been playing his son, his son's whole life. I mean, he was like, he, he did all this years ago. Um, seemingly this bribing of the Egyptians and this illegal stuff that like, and he put his son's name on it. Cause he figured like, we'll come back to him. he will be fine. Uh, and if he does, I, I'll, I can handle him. Um, so I think that that's worth, you know, like, He's not a good guy. We're not supposed to fucking like him. He's the kind of guy who's going to throw his son in, in
0: but the jail for, for him. For me, that makes him one note. I mean, it, you could put more dimensions in there. He is one you note. Maybe an it. attempt to make him a little bit more sympathetic, but they they, they don't. He's don't bad remember, bad when he the, doesn't have to go to jail. A lot
1: of more one note. They're all fucking fretting, self-involved people with too much analysis going on for the I most will say part. That-
2: the, the last scene that Nicholson has kind of, I mean, like, he he's he smiles, he's happy to see his son finding love, and then, like, the dawning of realization on his face and what it means for him, and he returns yeah. to his gaggle of lawyers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, he's, like, like, again, he's not the most developed character, because he's not an important character. He's he's another antagonist. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nicholson had a great career. Sometimes shit happens. It's okay, he, buddy. He's fucking like baby. Like, he's not gonna, yeah. like, you know... I mean, <laughs> kind of stuff goes down uh what else eric we know you're pissed come on give me more
0: why me was more. this 120 million dollars this is like a five million dollar because of the salaries
2: but for salaries yeah, yeah. which yeah,
0: what's, what's, by the way you know nicholson took
2: 15 million i believe it was uh no no he took 12 reese witherspoon took 15 you know what you know what paul rudd took He took three, he took oh.
0: three. i found that interesting
1: seems like a paul rudd move well, this is
0: 2010 he had done what had he done uh, there was like, I know he does smaller. I mean, he'd great, been around for 20 games. years
1: at that point. Okay,
0: but I'm talking like... Yeah, hey, Clueless was, was in 96. <laughs> I'm aware, years, but yeah. we're talking, you going up against an Oscar-winning $20 million quote actress like Reese Witherspoon, so, so for him to command more than $3 million would kind of seem surprising to me for his stature. At that yeah, he, you're right. He hadn't quite done a lot of leading man work at that point, I guess.
1: I think he tried to do this. I thought he might think this was like a slight switch for him, because tons of rom-coms you know, a lot of lighter stuff for the most part. I don't yeah. think we can think I mean, of a lot of heavy or dramatic
2: no, I, roles I, for Paul Rudd. Object of my affection, you know, it's a dramedy. Yeah,
1: yeah um, but my that's my point. Like, I yeah. really think he thought, like, okay, I'll show my chops here, and I think oh, he does um, have shape the chops. Of
2: shape of things before that was before this very much a drama. All but right. but not exactly
0: gonna have the same audience still that this movie.
2: Had. Yeah. Look,
0: the the dude the dude is charming, and I, I accepted him as a leading man right away, which which is great. Um, the character is just so odd to me. I never feel like he is scared of the situation he's about to be in. He just seems like he's fucking around, and like Jimmy Brooks is like, "Hey, do like I heard you like you improv. Hey, do some of that, and I'll just shoot it." Like when he gets drunk, it's just I don't feel much. Weight to this character, I guess, is my issue.
2: Yeah, some avoidance issues. I do like when he's drunk. Um, so one of the things I liked about this movie is that there's a lot of like kind of like little flourishes, little touches, you know, just things that I like. When he's drunk, for instance, when he's talking to Catherine Hans' character on the phone, he like wraps a towel around it when he flushes, and then like kind of does this like cat like this cursory gesture of washing his hands. Little things like that, or like um like when the when the um doorman like takes a step back to... Or when the bus driver says happy birthday to Reese Witherspoon, There's a lot of like little kind of like little moments, little life moments um that to me help flesh out the movie. Yeah, uh Jennifer
1: Schmucks came out the same year as this movie that he was in. That's funny. Oof, mm-hmm. That's a bad movie. <laughs> but he you know he kind of turned it on. He did some movies later in the 2010s that were legitimate, like that movie where he's on the road with some dude, or, I can't remember what it's called. Anyways. I think Paul could basically, he could do anything he wanted. I truly believe that. I sure. think he has the ability to do so. He's not just a pretty face. He's a great comedian. He's very funny. And if there was more comedic tones for his character this movie, I know he's going through a lot. Maybe it would have been
2: shown more. It's not his
1: fault again.
2: Think of it this way. How irritating, <laughs> sorry, but how irritating would this character have been if he'd been played like, say, Ben Stiller probably would have played it right. The frantic kind of anxious, like what the situation kind of calls for, but instead like he's in La La Land, he's in avoidance mode, um, which to me like makes it a lot more viewable. If he had been like at his fucking wits end, I mean, he clearly is. I think he plays it pretty well actually, because he's still likable yeah. despite being uh, in the worst situation <laughs> in his entire life. Um So, yeah, I could see where this could have been played, where it's more clear that he's scared and I I think would have not made for a very fun rom-com.
1: We talked about I wanted to talk about the branches, though. You have these two movies going on. I still see it as two movies. I know they intersect and connect, but you spend a period of time with Maddie and Lisa for like 20 minutes, it seems like. That other movie is, like, out of sight. They're, like, developing the relationship. They're talking about moving in together. They have the conversation in the bullpen. And then he has the call her on the phone to say, move in with me. And there's, like, 20 minutes to go by almost, yeah. it feels like, before we go back to the other movie. Like, oh, yeah, we got this shit going on now. And the, This is the editing, pacing, and selection of scenes and how it was ordered is really where I think this movie gets kind of fucked.
2: I also wonder how much... I, now, so Owen Wilson and James L. Brooks have a lot of history together, um, because of yeah. of Wes Anderson. We talked, we talked right, about we that talked on the Bottle Rocket, Rocket episode, right? But but I don't think that they'd actually worked together before this, right? Like tech technically, I don't think they actually like as they would have known each other and like executive produced and that kind of stuff. But this is the first time I believe that they worked together.
1: Not and as an I actor, ca- yeah, you're right. Yeah,
2: and I kind of wonder if one of the things that took longer than that was supposed to in the filming was that like he liked working with Owen Wilson and maybe beefed up the character a bit more than he needed. Cause the movie is two hours long when it could have easily been a buck 40, buck 45 probably. And um, a lot of that Maddie stuff would have ended up on the, on the, in the cutting room floor. If had had been, had it been played by like James Marsden or something who I love, but, but you know, yeah. a, a less of a name huh. or maybe a, a name that Brooks would maybe probably <laughs> been less excited about working with not to, not to pick on James Marsden. Again, I think he's no, great. I, I,
0: oh. Perfect. Well, yeah, I don't know uh, where to go from here. I mean, we could talk forever about Jimmy Brooks. He's done so much for American comedy going back, I think, to the Mary Tyler Moore show and then in the Taxi and The Simpsons. And he's given us it's a not lot a of retrospective though. Right? fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we always try to touch, a, touch base a little bit on, on the I no, he's.
1: I mean, we all, I think all three of us have enjoyed. We all agree that Good As It Gets is a great movie, classic
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think the man did, there's, I think that most directors that are good writer directors in particular, not tours typically have three or four good movies in them that are usually released around the same time frame. Um, I think that when the same is true when it comes to bands and stuff too, I think that there's like a window generally speaking where an artist or a group are going to like create good work.
0: Yeah, that's what Good As It Gets I
1: just, was, was the end of that one. It was a very end. And I kind of I think, think so. My yeah. I, my,
0: I think my point is kind of that is, is he clearly had petered out. And a lot of these lines just seem like early 90s, like cute movies, like these, these, like, like these, these sweet, cute, overconfident lines just seem stuffed in. And it's just – it seems out of its time and, and out of touch to me.
1: Well, I don't – I mean, I will – I'm going to give credit for the writing of the Lisa character. She's a strong, independent female. She doesn't have to get married. She says, when she has that little bit about talking about all these other women are faking it. I really was actually, I found that kind of profound. Yeah. She's talking about uh, other people uh, saying they want to get married and have kids and live this normal life.
2: Yeah. I, I also guess. like that. She's a very complicated character. She's, she's, she's has depth. She's not, she's not one note. Yeah. It's I, a, the,
1: there's hints of his ability and talent still in the writing. I, but.
0: Jimmy right. gives her such fantastic lines as, uh, do you have nibbles? So I I don't know. Oh, I hate to on. disagree with you guys. But uh, at that point, exactly, you get the seed where, okay, am I, do people pretend to be happy or are they actually happy if they lose the one good thing that works for them and have to maybe settle on something else? I don't see them exploring that even when Catherine Han and she witnesses this beautiful moment. Yeah. As so you they get the explore, smile right. on her face, but it's not
2: explored.
1: It's not really explored. I agree. It's a nice line, but it's not <sighs> explored. That's the thing. There's too much going on here to get enough depth from anybody.
2: I do think that there's um, some pretty decent lines peppered in. If we're going to talk about dialogue and James Elbrook's um, uh, writing, I, I, the Tony Shaloub psychiatrist showing up briefly has a line that's a little trite, but I mean, I don't know if there's better advice. She asked him for good general advice and his advice is um what is it? Uh, something like ask for what you want. Figure out what, figure out what you point. want and learn how to ask how for to ask it. For she it. says that's really hard and he's like, "Well, yeah, you know, this is hard work." But I mean, like that's I mean, that's that maybe trite, but that's really fucking good advice. And and also uh, Jack Nicholson his dad, the dad character says, you know, anger can be useful,
0: watch out for the bitterness. Like there's some I think there's some good little gems in here. There is. That's the Lisa thing. also has like a hundred post-its on her mirror of uh, mm-hmm. this like sagacious wisdom that I don't see her ever even attempting to use or, or, <laughs> okay. or so offer other people. Clearly you've never lived with anyone who, d- who does that then, huh? No, I know. Okay, I well
2: I have. Yes. And I can promise you that they don't, they, the, the reason why they post that shit everywhere is because they need to be reminded to follow that shit. If they, need, if they didn't need to remind themselves of that shit, they wouldn't fucking post it there.
1: And she u- does use it, Eric. We already talked about that. When she comes back into the apartment early on to apologize, she has this thing like, uh, I always I can't remember what the thing was, but it was like a proverb or a, a line that she would use from the mirror. So she does use that stuff. Mm-hmm. She uses it a couple of times. It's part of her character. And I think that's well done. But that, that's nitpicking. I don't think it's really that big a deal. But those people really? exist. They very Oh, yeah. These are not just random ass like low-hanging secret people. They're everywhere. Self-help, self-care, self-improvement, and frankly, self-care is something that we should all take seriously. There's been a huge gimmicky thing that's been done with self-improvement, calling it like that, self-help, which has been played out by assholes who exploited it. But caring for ourselves is something we always should do, and I think that was her goal. She's trying to take care of herself, but she's also wiping away the tears, right. and she dismisses mental health counseling entirely in Tony Shalhoub's scene, mm-hmm. which is disappointing because she probably could have used that. In fact, what? I know she could have used it. And that she scene.
2: even comes back to be like, actually, I can see the value in this. He's like, yeah, that's, what, that's
1: why I can do <laughs> it. it. make me laugh. Yeah. It's like, oh, Tony Shalhoub, so, so, so short.
2: I want more. <laughs> Um, yeah, This. that's That's some cameo.
0: We got a uh scene with the clapper in it. Weren't we oh. just talking about yeah. that? Fucking clapper I mean, is not a thing. God
2: damn it. I made a note of that too. The fucking clapper, man. Clapper. No one uses this goddamn thing ever. I think ma- hopefully
1: this is the last movie 2010 that it happened. Nah. Please be the end of this because <laughs> nah. I bet if we could, I bet we could find a movie after 2010 that has it. I know it. I just know it. I don't, these old <laughs> fucking producers hang out for too long and they saw a commercial in 1988 and
2: they're still using the
0: clapper.
1: <laughs> uh we've talked about this movie a lot though we started a little bit earlier than we usually do so i think uh unless there's anything else you guys want to cover we can pull the plug.
0: Uh, no <laughs> I, I better think, stop now
2: i think i've said my piece eric you want to go ahead and lead us off since we're
0: already pretty clear where you're going to be going with this anyways it's a gigantic uh, it's a horrible loss for this studio 100 million dollars spent on this uh cloyingly lollipop script about these, uh this, these, just these odious characters in my opinion that aren't my opinion. These characters aren't written. Well, it's just like shitty sitcom writing. It, 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 I'm embarrassed for these actors. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. This is my opinion. Uh I, I agree with Christy Lemire from what the flick she says. It feels like three bad movies stitched together somehow. And I agree with her. I mean, I pause this film like every 15 minutes and the characters were pretty much in the same spot they were the last time I stopped the film. I don't see many arcs here. I find it so overconfident and, and is flippant and not funny. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> uh, you go try yourself.
2: Uh, yeah, it holds up. I, I think it's a delightful little movie. I, I, I think that um, it's flawed. I think that if you go in with these big expectations like um, about James L. Brooks or 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 Jack Nicholson that you might be disappointed. But I think that the movie um, does a lot of the things that Spanglish did that people didn't like that about Spanglish either. Both these movies, they spend time with these characters in ways that are not conventional, that are not things that most films do. And you learn things about characters that you're like, why am I learning this? But uh, I think it does help flesh them out. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's just the greatest movie of all time. No, no. Is it? the? Sh- should it have been one of the biggest flops of all time? No, I don't think it should have either. I, I enjoy this movie and I'll, I'll watch it again.
1: Well, then, uh, yeah, it's a flop, but flops. I really don't like the business talk. I mean, I'm not in the business. I know yeah. we talk about it and it helps us rank stuff, I guess, but I don't give a fuck about that. Yeah. Who cares? Sucks yeah. for you. If you put a lot of money in, I mean, that's a bummer, but for me, a movie could be good. It could be useful. It can provide value and it could be a total bust. And we've had a lot of movies that become busts that become, you know, cult classics. So it's, it's a, it's a bummer that it has this tag and it, it actually does more harm. Obviously it always does more harm when these tags get hit on these films, we, we thought we talked about another bust maybe over the last 20 I yeah, mean Heaven's Gate, um,
0: Heaven's
2: Gate. Well, I was gonna right? say um sure, go was a, it was a was a exact recently. Yeah.
1: You're right. We just did that last week and we didn't even well, at least I wasn't aware initially of how bad it was just you know, it was loathed. Um but Heaven's Gate was like a you know, absolute legendary shit bomb and That's Eric true. loves it. Love he it so pushed much. it on us and it took me a while to get there. I know Travis and you liked it, right?
2: Yeah, and and I and I think that this movie, in a lot of ways, did the same thing that Heaven's Gate did. That like it, it took many years, but eventually it found an audience. Like there's a reason why this movie trended in ten years or eleven years or so after it came out over pandemic. Like it it's
0: a it's a kind of a fluff little film, but it's entertaining. In box office, Mike, I mean. That means that means absolutely. I, I feel bad for people that lose money in financiers, but that means absolutely nothing to me. I I've seen so many movies that got a billion dollars that I think are absolute trash, and they yeah, grossed <laughs> people that weekend. Yeah. More Avatar movies does anybody in the world want? Does more anyone Avatar even Avatar? like Avatar? Right. Now, have you ever met anyone that likes Avatar? I've never, I've never, never seen it. Who talks never about it. Avatar. We got to bring it on the show. That'd be a good one.
1: You're right. I've, I've never seen there. it, and nobody talks about it. Those are both true. Uh, in the end, you're right. Yeah doesn't matter and this netflix weird awakening i didn't know about until i checked out my you know some minor research about the film and that's cool because i think people really found a lot of solace in that especially if it was during covid which it was people stuck with their own thoughts home alone a lot this movie a lot could be quite relatable several (laughs) of these characters most likely to people so life
2: in crisis yeah exactly
1: it's not james brooks's best But I've watched it enough times where I I do have some issues with some of the dialogue seems forced at times or the way it's done, the way it's the way it goes, the way it flows is weird at times. But I think this is honest writing and the fact that people are like this. They are. And as Travis said very clearly and well, conventional, you know, this looks like a mainstream movie, but it kind of isn't, you know. And I think it's, uh, I I enjoyed it enough. I think it holds up. I know, yeah, it's got some issues, but I think it holds up. Uh, it's a nice little film for me to throw on. I, I admit it, I like all the faces I see on the screen. So that Mm kind of keeps me in it too. I'll admit it. I'm a sucker like other people. I'm not, I am not special. I'm a regular human being. So I'll throw it on. I'll watch it. You're special to us, Mike. Thank you. you. I wasn't looking for that, but I do appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs)
2: Uh, all right. There it is. So, hey, it holds up. Uh, Ted Lasso sure. wants you to be reminded that you're special. So I thought I should. He
1: imagine. does. Yes, he does. That's true. We got to start our own diamond dogs, dude. That's what we got. Oh, wait. You might not have got the. Oh, shit. I'm not Sorry. there yet. That's okay. All right. That doesn't mean anything, won't you? I'll figure day? it out
2: tonight. You will. It's yes. nice. Yes, so. It's
1: not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's not a
2: crucial moment, trust me. Uh,
1: Okay. We did it. Yay. How All do right. you know? Well, put a question mark on it. Maybe we'll find out. But-
2: no, no, no. We've already been over this. You, you wear a condom when you fuck other women. That's how you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: right I forgot
2: don't forget it's it's plain English not they're not
1: coy. Lombardo's finest hour (laughs) right there on celluloid uh there it is so next week we go we have a guest next week right we have a guest next week
2: next week uh I'm sure I'll give him another introduction um next week when he's actually here in person but my friend Donnie Richmond, who I went to film school with many years ago he's got a 20 years ago 20 years ago he's got a podcast of his own called all American spook show uh, which I recommend you check that out. They're doing a kind of exploration of werewolves in film right now, which is right up my alley. Right up my alley, I'd say. Yeah, so it's it's a fun <laughs> stuff. So, uh, yeah, everyone knows you love horror movies, Mike. So I, th- I, I wondered if, Donnie, you know, I'm like, you're on a horror podcast. Are you going to pick a horror movie? If this was an opportunity for him to pick something else, then, of course, he picked a horror movie. Um, oh, shit!
1: I thought he'd go with something else, Dan. Right.
2: <laughs> but I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Uh friend of the show, Donnie fucking Richmond chose 1988's They Live. We'll oh, wow. Hey! They wow. <laughs> oh <Holy laughs> shit. I'm so, uh, looking forward to discussing that with wow. uh, with him and with you guys. <laughs> cool. <laughs> this is I, Carpenter I, classic. Uh,
0: yeah, this yeah is You hard. know, I, I don't I think I
1: kind of saw it once when I was younger. So I'm looking forward You've to it. you never this.
0: seen it. I think I did, but I was young. I was younger. Wow. Like ninety one Never, I've never seen this movie. I'd oh never,
2: yeah. never, never seen it until about it. a year ago. So yeah. uh, wow, look at us. We yeah. really, uh, what kind of
0: fucking film podcasters are we? Yeah. Uh, All <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, <laughs> I know about is that. like ro- robot faces on like Kendall. Yeah, like what? Uh, yeah, no, can,
2: yeah. Well, there's faces on. There's faces. Mm-hmm. There's faces Those with faces. sunglasses.
0: There's uh, there's rowdy Roddy
2: Piper. For yeah. Rest in power. It's gonna be fun. Hey, Donnie,
1: I, I, that's a good choice. I like I it. it I, I'm not upset about it. No, I, I'm fine. I fun. feel good about it. Yeah, good. that's like, good. I feel it could have been like some super, super random <laughs> horror movie I'd never even heard of ever, which, you know, I would have watched it, but this is cool. i like to be exposed to new things. And they live. they live will be our main event next week for Does It Hold Up on the Cinema 9 podcast. Of course, you can email the show, Pod at protonmail.com, or you can just say hello to us on any podcast. Myriad of social media platforms that are available to us in this modern age. It's pretty exciting and uh, it's going to be a good time. We hope you enjoyed the show. We always love connecting with you guys. So thank you for your time and energy. I think that about does it.
2: Well, that'll about do it. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye bye.